You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. of words. <laughs> well, some say life will beat you down, break your heart, steal your crown. Written and sung by the late great Tom Petty, those words hold within them some truths about life. We've all felt beaten down, had our hearts broken, had our crowns, our achievements, our pride, our ego, our dignity stolen. Now, before we continue, I should admit something. I'm one of those folks that believes there's a Tom Petty song for every occasion. (laughs) I'm a bit of a fan. (laughs) One of the few regrets I have is never seeing him live. But yes, there's a song for you. For our musicians over there and out there, if you're wondering what to do with your guitars, mandolins, and drums, you better listen to Cool Dry Place. Grateful for lifelong friends and communities? Listen to Built to Last. Upset with capitalism? Can't stop the sun is for you. Going through a bad breakup? It's time to break out the collaborations with Stevie Nicks. (laughs) And I've always dreamed that when I retire as a minister, I'll have don't come around here no more (laughs) to play me out. We'll see how I feel about that in the late 2040s. (laughs) And if life is bewildering, heartbreaking, a journey that's led you to now and you wonder how you've made it, Learning to Fly is the song for you. Written in 1991 after a conversation with an airline pilot, Petty was in the midst of a difficult part of his life. Just four years earlier, an arsonist burnt down his home destroying a lot of priceless memorabilia, including his signature top hat. And to this day, no one knows who did it. Not long after that, his marriage at the time started falling apart and would ultimately end in 1996 and propel him into struggles with addiction. There was a lot on his mind and emerging in his life. His home burned down, his marriage was ending, the pressures of fame, and he listened to a pilot talk openly about the whole matter of flying a plane. Coming down, said the pilot, is the hardest thing. Has anyone here ever flown a plane? I've got a few. Take off, easy. Ascending, easy. Descending, easy. From my own piloting experience, getting lost in the clouds, easy! (laughs) To my instructor's dismay. (laughs) But landing is an art. Petty thought it was an apt metaphor for what he experienced in life and was experiencing and what people he knew and loved were experiencing. And there it is, the birth of a song. A song that reminds us the good old days may not return. The rocks might melt and the sea may burn. I'm learning to fly, but I ain't got wings. 
I might venture to say these are words from the gospel of Tom Petty here. <laughs> With my Zen community, the Dharma of Tom Petty. But songs and readings and scriptures and whatever it might be, or works of art, the question that I really enjoy is, how are the words of this song meeting your life today? I started out down a dirty road, all alone. And yet here we are, not alone. Now, I thought I was going to talk with you today about democracy. <laughs> we have an election coming up in a couple days. I also thought I was going to talk to you about the really, very real threats facing our democracy, but also facing our world. As the war in Ukraine continues to unfold, the war is now unfolding in Israel and Palestine. Newer conjectures from climate scientists are telling us it's far worse than we could have ever imagined. And we could just make it about the global and national crises, couldn't we? But even our own lives, our own struggles continue as well. And yes, some of us are doing just fine. My follow-up question is always, are you doing fine? Or are you doing fine? F-I-N-E, frickin' insecure, neurotic, and exhausted. <laughs> Which one is it? We could talk about all of those things, but I really wish we could just talk about Tom Petty. <laughs> so I started out for God knows where, he sings. I guess I'll know when I get there. So let's start it out and see where we go. I won't ask you directly, but consider for a moment has your life ended up exactly how you thought it would? <laughs> now, if you would say yes, I don't know whether to call you lucky or unlucky, but you're likely in the minority. Now, if you're at peace, that's one thing. That's great. But was it expected right here? Now, I don't need to tell you that life is unpredictable. Many of us have experienced things in life that still leave us breathless, whether tragedy or triumph. And perhaps today, many of us can settle on knowing that we're all learning to fly over and over and over and over again every single morning, every single day, every single minute. Sometimes it's just enough to make it through our day. For so many people, that's the case. But we also live in a hyper-connected world now. Our own day-to-day -day lives have everything, good and bad, from across the globe being piped in regularly. Whether we like it or not, it can impact us. Now, the problems I listed off just a moment ago, and we've talked about this a little bit before, they fall into a category of problems called wicked problems. It's not just a Boston saying, wicked problems here. It's a term that was first coined by urban planners and systems theorists in the 1960s. And wicked problems are often defined as problems on which there is no readily apparent solution. Any solution proposed is not trial and error. It's a one-shot deal. If it fails, you start all over again. Every wicked problem is also unique. They're also interconnected. Every problem is a symptom of another problem. And there's other criteria, but even just listing that, it's exhausting. And as someone who does not give up hope, 
Describing problems in such a way pushes me as close to the edge of throwing my hands up in the air as possible. Like I'm, I'm right there. And I never imagined I would live in a time such as this. Did you? I long for the days where it felt like everything was fixable. Where we fixed the candy problem in our midst, right? The economist and statistician E.F. Schumacher in his great book, A Guide for the Perplexed, great title there, talked about problems like these and called them convergent and divergent problems. Now, convergent problems are great problems, right? They may still be horrible, but they're great because it's when everything at some point comes together in the midst of problem solving and a solution emerges. Divergent problems are those for which the solutions start to contradict one another. That's all well and good. Great. We're in a world with deeply wicked problems before us as a species, as a nation, as a people, and the solutions are as complex as the problems and contradicting one another. Now, outside of this realm of ideas where we could talk about this all day, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> we have them right here, right now. Very obvious example is what, what's unfolding in Israel and Palestine. That is not a simple problem. With the rise of populism and nationalism in our nation and across the globe, that is not simple. With the very real existential threats to our species, with the climate emergency, not simple. And personally, I would be wary of anyone who tried to tell me they were simple. That's just my opinion. One of the hardest things I have to continue to learn and relearn is that I can't fix everything. And as a minister, I cannot hold the trauma of the world. None of us can. There is nothing I can do to fix the entirety of what's going on in Israel and Palestine. It requires so much more than me, so much more than you and this community, so much more than the United States. Now, recognizing things like this, that human beings often get stunned into inaction by these wicked, divergent problems, Schumacher continues. He makes an interesting plea as an economist. He says that the solution to these problems begins with love and empathy. Now, I never heard about love and empathy once in an economics class, did you? <laughs> but think about it for a moment. Maybe there's something to take to heart here. If you find yourself doom scrolling on TikTok or Facebook or news websites and so on, whatever your, your choice platform is here, finding yourself outraged, sickened, needing to yell about something that yelling cannot fix, bring a little love and empathy into the equation. Does it fix it? No, absolutely not. But what if you turn that love and empathy inward first? Yeah, the problems remain. We might still want to yell at someone or something. We might want action now. Maybe that's just how we human beings are. But pausing to show some love and empathy to ourselves, what could that do for you? What could that do for all of us? 
And what could that do for our interactions with people in this room who are having their own wonderful, messy, delightful, difficult lives right now, right next to you? Now, I'll admit, I, I've struggled and still struggle with an inner cynic that tells me love and empathy are pipe dreams. How on earth could I, right here in Lexington, Kentucky, removed from the major crises in our midst, how could love and empathy be of any good? And I want to give in to that cynic. I want to say it's hopeless. I want to listen to those who tell me hope is useless. Now I'm grateful to a member of this congregation who called me out a couple months ago because I made fun of the fact that I am ceaselessly hopeful. I even suggested it was a bad thing to hold on to hope despite insurmountable odds. I gave in just a little to that cynicism. Now I didn't warn that person, I put him in a sermon, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't say who you were. <laughs> But it's that old saying around ministers, be careful what you say, you'll end up in my sermon, right? <laughs> but no, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the kindness such a comment showed me. It reminded me to not cheapen my values. So I'm hopeful, even today. And you thought this was going to be about Tom Petty. But it is. And it isn't. Daring to hold on to our values, to take flight even when we don't have wings, and to trust that dusty, dirty road before us, even if we have no idea where it's going to lead. If all of humanity had that luxury, just imagine. And that's the power in showing love and empathy to yourself. When you want to curl up into a ball and escape it all or just see the world burn, a moment of empathy for you, just a moment, I believe it leads you to wanting that for everybody and fighting and working and voting for that for everybody because you know its power, you know the comfort, you know that it's a grounding hope. That's the point of all of this. That's the point of the ideals, the principles, the values we hold, not just as Unitarian Universalists, but the values we've discovered on our own journeys in life. We live out those values life-giving and life-affirming ideals. And we want to see them come alive in the hearts and minds of everyone else. So we start out, God knows where, and off we go. But oh, the humility, the humility such journeys require. We can't force anyone, heck, we can barely live them out ourselves to adopt what we think is life-giving. That's why we live them. We don't just preach them. For me, piety doesn't really do much. It's about living as best as we can, the values, the ethics that we hold, and the trust, the love, the empathy that we're called to have for ourselves and for this vast and wide journey we call life. It changes you. It's changing me. Notice the tense there, though. I'm not done. Changing. I never will be. I cannot fix what's happening across the ocean, but I can be a voice that denounces Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. 
I can remind myself because I don't want to go numb to tragedy. And I can remind others that what's happening in Israel and Palestine involves flesh and blood human beings. And their grief, their pain is so very real. How will I live my life and have some impact? When you feel it right here, the way forward is not difficult. I cannot fix the climate crisis. I can be one small example of someone trying to do better, to instill a love for the natural world and others. I can feel the deep loss as it unfolds. I can nurture and fight for some way forward. I can feel it right here too. I cannot fix our democracy. But I can get people registered to vote. I can remind them to vote. I know reminding all of you is usually preaching to the choir, but just in case, vote! <laughs> vote your values, vote your conscience. And should the tide continue to change, I can resist. I can resist because I feel the loss in our messed up but wonderful way of expressing democracy. Now there's a part of me that wonders, is empathy a radical act in 2023? It feels like everywhere I turn, there's more lines in the sand. There's more division. I see the messaging that those people over there and my people over here cannot reconcile. And it's seductive. It's so good to have enemies sometimes. But I've also seen the power of empathy. It begins with showing it to myself, acknowledging that I'm doing the best with what I have and extending that beyond myself to everyone else. I'm thinking of very real human moments here that I've had with people in my time as a minister, moments that give me hope and show me that continued fighting and division, that's not the way. I'm thinking of moments where I'm crying and embracing people I would rather ignore and discard. Moments where kindness was showed to me in Owensboro, Kentucky, by someone wearing head-to-toe clothing depicting a political candidate that I do not like. Someone I prejudged who showed me great kindness. Moments where I've dared to not know where I'm going, but to trust and hope in love, in empathy, and be surprised. We're all figuring this out. We're learning to fly here. So that's what I hear when I hear that song sung. There we go. Good enough. I hear a human story, a common venture that we're all undertaking this life. Now, there's only one more thing that I feel like I have to tell everyone in my life these days. Don't back down. Don't give in to cynicism. Don't let cynicism mask itself and creep into your life. Stop the doom scrolling. You're killing yourself with that. Instead, name your values. Discover your values. Ask yourself what those even are. Name what guides you as you make your way. Mine is hope. I've talked a lot about it. Name your values and don't cheapen them in the face of doubt or doubters. Hold on to what is good and life-giving for you. Because then, maybe then, hopefully then, we'll all realize we're not alone in this. 
at least here, right now, taking flight into the unknown, doing the best we can. None of this will fi fix anything in the world, but it might inspire a little more love and empathy. And in that, right there in that, there is a way through. There is hope. May it be so. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org, where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.